Good afternoon again. How's it going? Good, thanks. All right, you ready? Yes, I am. All right, cool. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Craft Business Life podcast. My name is Lee Solomon. Uh, this is a podcast all about the lives and careers and day-to-days and everything about actors and other artists um, and how they do what they do and advice and all that kind of stuff. Um, guest today is Haley Oster. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Haley. Yeah, you got it. Haley Oster. And, um, she is, uh, originally from Canada and she's in New York now. And she's actually, uh, what at least back in my day they called a triple threat. I'm guessing they still <laughs> do. She's an actor and a singer and a dancer. She actually has uh, a strong dance background and teaches dance uh, and does all three of those things herself. Is that about right, Haley? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I get to teach really cute little ballet dancers and tap dancers. Uh-huh. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about all that. That's great. Um I like to start by asking, uh, you know, what your day-to-day life is like right now, if you're working on any uh, acting or, or musicals or anything, any projects yourself at the moment, and if you're working a day job, you mentioned you're teaching, just kind of what, uh, what you're up to right now and what your, what your days are, are like. Yeah, totally. Um, it's kind of crazy. I kind of do a lot of side jobs because as an actor you can't I mean it's hard to just stick to one so when I'm not auditioning I am teaching tap and ballet so I teach tap on Mondays and um, the kids range from anywhere from four years old to about 10 or 11 Um, so right now we're prepping them for their recital which is fun because I'm doing a a little, my first class is like, they're going to be tapping fishes. And then my other class is going to be um, newsies, even though they're all girls. So I think that's going to be cute. Um, and then every Saturday I'm teaching ballet to um, about three year olds to yeah 11. So that's fun. Um, I, at least I get to do that um, teaching side of things. And it's still in my field. I have a lot of friends that um, I graduated college with and, um, a lot of them hate their lives right now because they are doing the serving job and being a waiter and stuff. And it's great money, but a lot of them feel like they aren't getting that, um, I mean, that artistic thing. So I'm getting that choreography and teaching skills down. Um, currently, I'm also choreographing for um, my friends, my roommate actually from freshman year of college, her mom um, is a cantor at reform temple uh, forest hills and so she had asked me to choreograph their hanukkah show and then now um i'm choreographing their like spring show so i'm currently doing a lot of rehearsals for that so it's interesting because i mean half those kids don't necessarily love to sing and dance but i'm making them and it's kind of fun to watch because some of them really go for it and some of them don't um, so yeah, so that's kind of like my job, my side jobs. Type. Oh, and I'm also assistant directing, um, a teen musical called, uh, Theory of Relativity. Um, and that's great. The director, um, is awesome. And it's really neat to be on the other side of the table. Cause you know, usually I'm the one auditioning and I'm the one, you know, learning the material. 
Um, but it's cool because these are all seniors in high school. So I get to see, like, I see a lot of myself in them because I'll be sitting behind the table and, um, someone will go up and they'll start singing their solo and then they'll keep being, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I remember I used to do that a lot. And then I had a teacher that was like, if you do that one more time, you are leaving. You're wasting too much time apologizing for like your mistakes. And I get it now. It's so it's, I see a lot of myself in those students and I think it's important for them to have a, I don't know, a positive, I feel like sometimes a teacher or a mentor can like either make or break your outlook on, I mean, the arts and stuff. I had some, I had some positive and some negative experiences growing up. So I try to not give my students um, or anybody that I work with negative. I just try to kind of negativity. I try to, you know, build them up because um, I know that like insecurities can sometimes get in the way. Um, so yeah, I'm doing that. Um, and then basically I guess I can get into auditions now because those are hell. Um, so basically I'm currently EMC. So that means I am not quite equity yet, but it means that I'm part of the actors equity association program, which basically means that I'm on my way to becoming equity. So you have to get now it's like 25 weeks of work. So you get 25, you get a week, I uh, get a point every week you work. So once you get to 25, you can choose to become equity or not. So I'm currently EMC. And so that means that I have to still go to all the open calls and I'm not guaranteed to be seen at an ECC. So sometimes I will wake up and this has happened a lot in the fall during audition season. I would get up put all my makeup on, get to actors equity to sign up. And then we would have to wait hours until the call opened. And then they would say, oh, by the way, we're not seeing non-act today. So the amount of times I would get ready, stretch, you know, do everything, do the hair, it's, it was crazy. And then they would be like, we're not seeing you. So that can be the struggle. Um, so you kind of have to pick and choose and be smart about, okay, do I think I'm going to be seen for this or no? So um, if that, I don't know. So if that makes sense, it's... um it's kind of touch and go. So I've been doing a lot of open calls lately, but recently the girls at Pearl have gotten crazy and now start lining up at like four 30 in the morning. Um, so the building opens at seven. So that's when you're able to sign in on any unofficial lists that they may have that they may accept. So you don't have to wait there all day. You just come when your number is kind of called. Um, so it's a lot of waiting around. And standing in the cold, and I mean, hopefully you get seen by the end of the day. So sometimes it can be rewarding, and sometimes it can be frustrating. Um, someone told me actually growing up, they were like, auditioning is your job, but the actual gig that you book is your vacation. And it's true, because, you know, this is the hard part, but then most contracts, you know, they pay for your housing and then you're getting paid to do what you love, which is singing. Well, what I love to do is singing and dancing and acting. So this is the hard part. And it's kind of hard to remember your, remind yourself that this is the hard part. Um, cause you know, it's, it's, it sucks when you are, let's say called back. Um, and then you can't go to the callback because you have your safety job or your real job or, your backup job. I mean, mine's a teaching job and I'm lucky enough that it is in my field. So, um, yeah, so I guess that's, 
that's kind of about it. I mean, I try to work out when I can. Um, uh, I think that's what helps me stay calm. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm trying to think if that's about it. That's kind of like my week. It's just planning out my auditions every night before I go to bed. I kind of go on backstage or, um, sometimes actors access, sometimes, um, playbill. And then I just kind of decide, okay, what auditions am I going to do? What's worth it? Um, and then hope for the best. I actually had a call, a final callback today for Fulton's Mamma Mia. And I've worked with the director before. Um, and I've done Mamma Mia. And I think, I don't want to jinx it, I'm going to knock on wood right now, but it went really well. And I'm really hoping I get it. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been up to the last few months. Well, that's that's uh, certainly more than enough. And, uh, you know, everything you're describing uh, is, is, is all obviously very common for actors, and it's come up with other guests here on the show. Um, you know, one of the things you illustrated um, quite strongly, even more strongly than I've ever heard it illustrated before, you know, about the people lining up as early as 4.30 a.m. and the building doesn't even open till 7. I mean, this idea of getting to these calls and waiting and waiting and waiting and maybe not even being seen, you know, people that are in the acting world or hear about it, you know, know about this as an idea, but they don't necessarily really know, like, how truly extreme and, and you know, what it's really like, as you described. I mean, just think about, you know, again, you're sitting there for hours and hours and you got there super early just to wait. And it's, you know, you're planning almost your whole day around this thing. Mm -hmm. And also, like, I had my sister actually, she recently sent me, she just texted me randomly because she, you know, she's two years older than me and she still has a home. And she had said, oh, I would do anything to switch places with you. And I was like, I didn't even respond because I was like, if she would understand what I was going, what I'm going through, you know, she kind of thinks, oh, like, you know, she got to go away for college and, you know, she gets to, she gets to do this as her job. But like, there's a lot more that goes into it than, you know, the audition. And I actually sent my parents a photo of the line of the girls that were all lined up. And my dad was like, what, what is that for? And I'm like, it's for an audition. And they're like, why are you outside? And they, they have no idea. And then, yeah, you know, and then you're, you're also on the street and I don't know. It's like, it's an everyday thing, but people still come up to you and are like, what's the line for? And I'm like, it's auditions, but it's like every day. So I'm like, how do people not catch on yet? That it's like, what do you think? But everybody also thinks it's like for a movie. They're like, oh, is it like for a movie? And I'm like, no, it's for theater. But, you know, I guess people just don't understand. Well, you know, it's it's been this system for a very long time. And who knows? I know there's a lot of different regulations with the unions and everything else. But, you know, as far as, you know, Right, you know, these days for casting for like TV and film and things, you know, often it's it's self submissions, it's tapes, mm -hmm. you know, it's, well, it's a much it's, more it's 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 gotten a lot easier in a lot of ways. But the the open call system for theater for musicals, this kind of thing, you know, I don't know if there's a better way possible, but you would hope there could be. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's just. There used to be, um, 
I mean, the film and television are a whole other thing. Like their audition processes are more done by appointments, not open calls. Exactly. But um, a lot of what there used to be was, you know, you would have to, you would stay up to like two in the morning. Then they would have the list outside, so you could just, um, you know, sign sign your name up on like literally just outside on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they would just take the paper upstairs. But now they made a new rule that you have to do it inside the building. But if the building doesn't open till seven, the lobby opens at seven, and then you can't even go upstairs until eight a.m. So it's caused a lot of like people go to sign up, and then they start another line just to get in the building. So today people. We're still lining up outside at 8.30 in the morning because the line for the elevators were just getting so long. Yeah, and it seems to me, I mean, I just thought of this, but it seems to me that, you know, what would be so wrong with just having one non-equity day? So at least you guys are still showing up, you're still having to line up and wait, but at least you are going to get seen. At least, you know, that it's, then something comes out of it. You know, this whole weird system with, we'll let you know if we're even seeing non-equity people. That seems unnecessary at this point. Yeah, well, that's where the open calls come in, because some, you know, but that's the issue. So they they started doing a lot more open calls, mm-hmm. so that non-ec are seen. But now the issue is there are so many non-ec people that go to that audition, because oh, I'm going to be guaranteed to be seen. But I've been to one where they were like, we cannot see 500 people. So we are cutting it off at 150. So it's like there were 600 girls or 400 girls that showed up. And it's even though it was an open call and we're supposed to be guaranteed to be seen, they really weren't able to because of time. So it's like they try to do what you were suggesting with the open calls, but it just doesn't. It's just... Right. You know who knows how to run things properly is Disney knows how to run things because they have this online um, check-in system. So when you, you go to the audition, you literally just sign up on their thing. All your, your headshot, your resume is on their file. It shows anytime you've ever auditioned for them and your notes. And then you just log in. You literally take a selfie with your phone and then it clicks on and then everything's set up. So you don't have to wait around. You just have to get there, get on the Wi-Fi, and it's good. Um, if they learned how to do something like that, it would be so much easier. Um, because, you know, we get yelled at to in the rooms where they're like, I don't under, they get mad. They're like, why did you guys all come so early? But it's like, if we didn't, there was no way we would be seen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that is interesting about the Disney thing. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. They're super good about that. That's cool. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously never going to be perfect, but yeah, even if it's as simple as, you know, we're gonna, we know in advance there's only gonna be 150 slots that we can see today. For 150 people that get there, you're in. The rest of you, sorry. Uh, but at least you know. At least you're not standing there for hours and then still nothing even happens. I don't know. Now, now I'm getting a little agitated for you. I'm sorry, but. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, and it's especially if you take off work, like, there was a time where I, I mean, I went to the, the Mean Girls ECC, and I was like, oh, I probably will be seen, I got there super early, they were seeing non-ec girls, but it was going super late, and the call lasted, like, because they had to get through everybody, so by the time I would have been seen, it would have been close to five o'clock, and I had work, so I was like, oh, I have to leave, so I just wasted five hours of my day. Yeah. 
just sitting there. But I mean, and that's the thing, because sometimes you get seen, so you know, it's worth it. Sometimes it is worth it. So you just kind of have to suck it up and say, this is what I signed up for. Right. It's okay. Yeah. Now, do you, um, are you also interested in, do you submit yourself for other types of work? Uh, straight acting, film, TV, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on, so I have an agent, um, for primarily like musical theater. She does do some film. I do a lot of film stuff. Um, I'm from Winnipeg and we actually have a pretty decent, a lot of like, I don't know if you've heard of, um, like a dog's purpose and, um, yeah. heaven is for real. Like those, like a lot of movies are actually filmed in Winnipeg. Oh, um, well, just cause it's tons cheaper. of stuff is filmed in Canada in general. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also just cheaper, you know, so right. they do that. So I had a lot of, a lot of my acting training before college was more of in film. And then, I mean, I went to school and, um, a lot of it is more like play. Yeah. Like straight acting or like, um, theater acting. Um, I did take, uh, extra classes just outside of school with, um, a casting company in Boston just to keep up my, film training um the issues you know when you get to new york like i said there's not really open calls for those kinds of things you kind of have to have your agents submit you um so i mean i can submit myself for student films at the like moment i can submit online like at through actors access and backstage whatever i can apply to whatever is available but um right now i think my main focus is the dancing and stuff because i know my body won't be able to um do what it does now for i mean it's not it's not gonna be the same forever so obviously yeah i want to continue like i would love to see myself in tv and stuff soon but it's kind of a matter of um more the connections that you have so i think once i'm once i've booked a few more jobs and you know i'm I'm trying to i want to take an acting class here just to make that connection because i know i know all the major casting directors in winnipeg you know I've gotten called in for a lot of those like TV series or movies that are filmed there, but I don't live there. And so, and I don't have those same connections in New York. So that's when workshops are actually quite important. So I just got to make some money and do those. So you make an interesting point that I've never heard put that way before, which is this idea that, you know, you can do all these things, but you feel like physically, you know, you only have a certain amount of time that you can do the intense musical stuff and the dance stuff. So you want to do that now while you, while you're in your prime of it, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. I just want to. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just, I think it's like important to, uh, I mean, I, and that's what I trained. I really trained in school for that. And I feel like, I don't know, my, I love the performing aspect of it. Like I love the live theater. So, mm -hmm. um, I might as well, you know, and if they're fun, it's fun right now. And so I kind of take what opportunities I can get at the moment. Like right now, like there's not a lot of, um, I mean, I'm not really getting sent in on a lot of film stuff and that's primarily because I don't have the connections yet. So I'm just waiting. Um, and that's something that I will have a conversation with my agent about at the end of the year if she chooses to keep me on because we have about we have a meeting. My contract was for this. It, my contract ends in June, so we'll see if we want to renew it and our game plan for the next year. So yeah, I can see it in my future, but it's just a matter of when. So this is an interesting and important point. You know, again, it's one of the things that 
uh, comes up on this podcast and is, and is a big part of an actor's life. You know, this idea of having an agent and, you know, a lot of people think it's such an important thing or that it's going to immediately change their life. And it's, it's really not true at all. Um, not that getting an agent is necessarily a bad thing or anything, but it's not this golden ticket that people think it is. Exactly. So what, what has your experience been as far as working with an agent and what, what would you tell, you know, actors about that? Um, well, I say, I mean, in my opinion, for film and television, an agent is important because you can't get any auditions really without one, like, cause, because they are so different for theater. I don't think you need an agent. Like I have, you know, plenty of people who have booked tours, have booked tons of stuff without one. Um, for me, it was kind of important. So I went to the Boston Conservatory and for our senior year, we do this showcase at the end where we basically go to New York and perform a, a song. And then some people are selected. So I was selected to do a dance routine. Um, and so basically a bunch of agents come and they, they like it. Basically, if you, they are interested in you, they'll put like a check mark thing on your headshot. And then you receive an email the next day and who's interested in you. So when I, I got a few meetings and for me, it was important to get an agent because I am Canadian and so I'm actually in the midst of applying for my um, talent visa because right now I'm I'm on OPT which is basically since I went to school in the States I get one year here to work so I'm trying to apply for my it's called your O1B talent visa and it would allow me to work so having an agent looks good to the government Um, so that was my reasoning Um, I don't know um, some of my friends, like, it wasn't as big of a deal, and I don't know if it would have been a, as big as a deal to me if I didn't have that extra, like, I need this for the government. Um, but, again, I wasn't going to sign with anybody that I didn't feel was really going to help me because there's tons of agents who, I mean, do nothing, big names or small names. So I have a, a boutique agency. Her name's Ann Steele. Um, and I met with her four times before I decided to go um, and sign with her. She was great she has an assistant named josh and they um like very just nice people they they like believed in me and i think that's important when you go to an agent because i did have a horror horrific um agent meeting with um this one guy and he kind of like just tore me apart and was like why did you showcase like you're you're canadian you might not even be able to stay in the country like you'd waste our time if we signed you and you had to leave and it was, and he was like, you have an albatross around your neck, basically saying, shoot me now. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, and I was like, why did he waste my time me even coming in and talking to me? Like, it was, it was like scary. He was like, you need to sit this way. He's like, you need new headshots. Like, you, you're prettier in person. Like, I don't, so he was just very, um, it wasn't a good experience. And so don't sign with someone just because they're an agent. Even if he was willing to sign with me, I would never sign with someone who, speaks to another individual like that um so it's i think if you feel like the relationship's right sign do like do it but um it doesn't mean that you're going to get an audition every week i mean i probably have gotten about three or four appointments since january with my agent and a lot of those were callbacks that i originally went to the open calls with um sometimes it's good just if it really depends on the agency and if they have a connection with certain 
um, companies. So my friend, he is upset because he he's, has an agent and he's like, my agent doesn't do anything. And he's like, I, so he says, I'm going to email him and ask him to submit me for all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, they probably are submitting you, but just because your agent submits you for a job doesn't mean you're going to automatically get an appointment because once the agent submits, the casting people have to look at the submissions and then they choose. So your agent is more like the middleman, so they don't have the end say, you know? So it's not like your agent isn't submitting you if you're not getting auditions, you know? It's kind of, it really depends. And you also have to work your way up in the agency. Your first year, you're not going to get Broadway, if they don't think you're ready, they're not going to give you Broadway auditions because they have their own reputation that they also need to protect. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's totally a case by case um, basis because the, the it, it sucks when you booked your own job um, that you woke up early to go to you and then you have to pay your agent ten percent and it's like you did nothing, you know. Um, at this point, my, I feel like my agent has given me enough auditions that if I were to book something, let's say I booked this Mamma Mia gig, I had a final callback. I went to the original call myself, but then all my callbacks were done through my agent. So, you know, I would feel comfortable because she's she's helped me enough throughout the year. So I, I'm fine with it. But, I mean, it sucks if you're constantly doing open calls and waking up super early because your agent's not giving you appointments. It's like, why do I want to pay them, you know? So I think that's a conversation that if you ever do run into, you have to have a conversation with your agent um, after a year. So I think it's very personal about whether you have one. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you, like, any less. I think if you... Find, like have a good match I mean there are certain agencies that you're like oh that's a good agency but I know someone that signed with Abrams and she's done literally nothing since but they're an amazing company but also they um represent like really well-known actors and stuff so it's sometimes you can fall um like back into the mix you know and they, they don't give you their full attention so there's like those commercial agencies and then there's like a boutique agency that I'm with so it's like it's a lot of like weighing your options and what's worth it and what's not. And yeah, I don't know if that made sense, but not only did it make sense, you just made a lot of important points. You really encapsulated, I think everything that actors need to think about as far as agents perfectly, um, you know, and, and that's exactly right. And you have to really look at the details of the contract, you know, um, one thing you said about the agent who was, you know, very, sort of crass and everything with you, you know, this comes up a lot, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of just sad, angry, nasty people in this business. And just as a general thing, like you said, you know, it's still professional. Nobody should have the right to talk to people in a bad way or anything. And if anything about the person doesn't make you feel good or is uncomfortable, then I would say don't work with them. And um uh, what else was I going to say about it? Oh, yeah, I would also add that not only is the agent the middleman, the casting director is the middleman, too. Even the casting directors don't have the final say, ultimately. So oh, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, lot of moving parts with all this stuff. Yeah, and you know, I mean, this is going to sound bad, but it's like, I mean, I'm going to just be blunt. Like, there are people that 
you know, you have people that went to school for this and you have people that didn't and they see a lot all day. And sometimes it is upsetting when, you know, there is a certain caliber where it's like, I, I have had this thought where I'm like, why are, why are they trying to do this? You know, like, and it's, it's sad. Like it's, it's, I, I feel like growing up, I grew up as a competition dancer. And so I'm very aware of my faults. Like I know exactly like, okay, that sucked, Haley, like, this is not good, and, you know, I went to a, a very good school where, like, we were kind of, I mean, I had plenty of acting teachers who, like, ripped me apart, or, like, dance teachers, you know, and you, but that all made us stronger, you know, like, we were told, like, what our faults were so that we could um, gain, you know, like, build our, like, I don't know, build, build ourselves up, I guess, and, you know, for a long time, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, can I, like, I need to get, like, so much better. And so it made me work harder, made me work harder. And so now, you know, honestly, since I'm living here, I'm, I go to a lot of these open calls. And I, it, it's, it's kind of shocking to me how many people, like, don't know, like, anything about, like, the business, but are trying to do it. And, like, all, like, all for it, all for it. But, again, sometimes it's annoying when someone is seen over you. And you know, it's like, I know that person doesn't dance. Like, I know they don't dance. Why are they at this call? And they're getting seen. And now I can't get seen. So sometimes it is frustrating. And like, I would never tell someone to not go follow their dreams. Because like, I would, like, I am blessed to have parents that said, follow your dreams. But again, it is a little disappointing. Like, you know, some people like didn't go to school or, or they just didn't. They just don't have all the facts or, like, the tools. And sometimes, like, it seems unfair if the time is being spent to – I don't know how I'm trying to explain this. I know it gets probably coming across, like – not like – well, it's, I'm probably coming across, like, arrogant or bitchy. But I, it's – sometimes I think it's important for you to know what your limitations are and your abilities. Like, I know I'm never going to be, like, a ballerina trainer. I love ballet, and I grew up doing ballet exams, but – I don't have the specific turnout to be in, let's say, um, Phantom of the Opera or ballet, um, American in Paris. I want to be in American in Paris so bad, but I know that my, that isn't something that my body is technically attainable to do. So I think part of even just the business, because people, you know, casting directors, you don't get cast. You're like, well, why didn't I get cast? Like, can you tell me? And everybody wants an answer. And sometimes it's annoying. Like, I genuinely can kill an audition. And it's like, why didn't I get cast? cast and sometimes it's specifically height like last year I got cut first round from this theater and then two months later I was called had no callbacks nothing and they're like hey we're, we're gonna hire you and I'm like why like I wasn't ca like but they originally didn't cast me because of one of their heights for one of their principal characters I would have been too tall and it just wouldn't look good but then since that person isn't wasn't going to be there then they called me so sometimes it's completely out of your control but basically my whole point of this like rant is that if you're wondering like why am I getting cut or why 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 is this like stop making excuses you know like just put all of that aside but also like really think about like either work harder or like try to figure out like okay well what can I improve on myself because when I'm cut I'm immediately like oh I could have done this better and like I should have done this and I wasn't, I didn't stretch or I didn't whatever, you know, where it's, I have some friends or colleagues that I'll be, will finish and they'll get cut and they'll be like, Oh, they didn't want this kind of person. So it's fine. But I'm like, you actually don't know that. And sometimes like I had this, like, you know, sometimes you, you don't know that and it can actually 
hurt someone else's feelings if they got capped and they're like, oh, well, they weren't looking for this type of person. But you got capped and it's like, well, I got capped. I mean, I think I'm this kind. See, I don't know if that makes sense, but sometimes it's just, it's frustrating. Yeah. I don't know. Did that make any sense at all? <laughs> it all made perfect sense and you're not okay. coming off badly at all. Okay. Your frustrations are very, are very understandable. You know, I, okay. I think you're saying a couple of things. You're saying, one, we all have to be realistic about our type and our abilities and our limitations and all that. Listen, when I was coming up as an actor, especially when I was a teenager in high school and stuff, you know, at that point, you're lucky because you get to play all kinds of parts because it's high school. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and then you have these dreams of these parts you'd love to play, and eventually you have to realize there's I'm so not right for that part, you know, it's not going to happen, things like that. And then I think what you're also talking about is, you know, there are people like yourself who work very hard and take the, the seriousness of it very, very strongly and take the training seriously and are very self-aware and everything. And then, you know, because you may know a little more or you know, people that don't, you know, aren't as aware or don't have the tools or the knowledge base, you know, you know why, you know, you know the answer to what they're wondering about. So, yeah, it's understandable, of course. Yeah, no, I just, yeah, and I did, I don't mean, yeah, I, I know you said I didn't come across, <laughs> but it's just something that I, I just have noticed and I have, it also isn't, it's not, that's attractive isn't the right word, but also like you don't need to walk around. I, I know a lot of people that, you know, it's the whole big fish in a small pond. Like we had that huge talk when we got to college, it was a lot of people coming from their high schools where they were the leads. And then they came to high yep. school and I mean, they came to college and all of a sudden they weren't the best ones anymore. Yep. Um, and I think that coming to New York, um, people who had that experience in college who were the big fish in college that come to New York and they're wondering why am I not getting these leads? But the reality is a lot of the leads are older, you know? So I have a few, um, a, a, a few friends that don't dance. They're primarily singers and actors. And a lot of them are frustrated. Like, why am I not getting this? And it's like, you're a lot of their prime roles are going to be most likely later in their life because a lot of them, they have no experience on their resumes because I like, like it or not, a lot of the opportunities in summer and summer stock, a lot of the companies want to hire dancers because they need to fill up their ensemble and a lot of the shows involve dancing. Um, and so I have a few friends that they're like, why am I not getting this? But it's not necessarily about talent. It's about your age. And you know, you're not, you're just like, you're just not yet old enough for the part and like experience, you know, like you need to have, I have some friends that still don't have any professional experience on their resumes. And, you know, all you need is that one job. Like you literally just need that one job for people to start taking you more seriously. Um, and I think that's important for people to, you know, understand, like just all you need is that one job. So like, just keep going, you know? Um, but it, yeah, it's not necessarily about talent. It can be about like your age and some people they're going to really like, blossom when they turn 30 you know what I mean like it, it really just kind of depends I think for a dancer like me like right now is kind of you know your 20s is kind of more your prime but for certain like leading roles it's 
nobody really wants to hire a 20 year old fresh out of college, you know, like it doesn't really happen. I mean, it's happened to a few of my friends. Like, I'm going to be honest. It's like, I have a friend that's, um, she's an understudy for Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. And like my friend is doing, um, is a vacation swing for Kinky Boots on Broadway. But again, I mean, they're also exceptions, but they are, you know, when I look at my class and the talent that was in that, my class, I mean, I look at who really like stood out to me and those, I think those people really deserve it. And those shows work for that age, you know, those roles are supposed to be young. Um, so I don't know. I think it's age is a big thing in our industry too. Absolutely. And, you know, again, you're touching on really important things. First of all, it's not just the type and everything. It's also just the sheer volume of actors. And and also, um, you know, again, people realizing that, you know, not to take things personally and to, to be more realistic about the business. You know, this keeps coming up on the podcast, this idea that, you know, we wish that acting schools at the end would take some time to prepare their students for the realities of the business. Mm-hmm. It's so different. Yeah. So what I did, I mean, cause that was always something that I know my parents always were like, Oh, we wish like they would do that. Like budgeting, even like little things like how do you seem shape? Like we can't really afford a gym membership, this, 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 or nope. just, just even, you know, I have, I have friends that went to school and at least with my school, I kind of, you just kind of learned as you went, especially from seniors and stuff. But I had a friend that went to another musical theater school and she didn't even know, like she hasn't even been to an ECC, um, appointment, like has never even been to an ECC yet. And that to me was shocking. And she had no idea, like the regulations, what the difference between EPA was. So, I mean, it also depends on your school, but I think it's, I think it's important that even like a budgeting class or, um, I don't know. It's, I, I don't really exactly know how they would structure it, but I, I agree with the business side. So what I did was I, um, I, I would meet with people. I were, I went to LA for a bit cause I wanted to know more about, um, film and television, how to get into that business. So what I did was I talked to a few of my friends who were going to school for film there and I got in touch with a few, um, coaches and stuff and then I just had conversations like and they explained everything like I wrote notes um so that was nice um my school also we were fortunate enough they would bring in agents and casting directors about mm, twice a month for like our senior year and so we would perform in front of them but there would also be a like questions and answers segment and it wasn't like oh like it wasn't stupid questions it was genuinely like okay so one of my questions was what happens in a type out like I went to this call I thought I was perfect for the show they decided to type out I was typed out and at that time I didn't have an agent so I asked is it because I didn't have an agent on my header of my resume is that like why um and he answered he was like I know exactly what call you're talking about it had nothing to do with agents it was actually the choreographer um had worked at muni before and he saw six girls that he had worked with before so he chose to see those six and then he had two extra spots so they just randomly picked two so it's like sometimes it can be random sometimes it can be you know that like where someone picks but just a class that would incorporate those kinds of answers to things would be great because you know you don't know some people you just don't know and 
but again, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes to teach that because everybody's path is so different. It's not like you go to be a doctor and you have like your residency and then you go this here, here. It's like with acting, it's like you can book Broadway right out of school or you can be working side jobs and hustling for three years and then randomly book a national tour. Like it's, it's just so different. So I don't know. I think having a class like could be very beneficial to some people, but it then also could be very, um, you know, like old news to others. You know what I mean? Well, of course, but you know, for, for the majority that don't know, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, Again, these are things that have come up uh, as well, of course, on the podcast here. You know, as you mm-hmm. said, the other aspects of life, you know, uh, you meant you alluded to budgeting a couple of times, you know, managing money, finding an apartment, all that stuff. We, we've been talking mm-hmm. about people here. So, you know. Well, and even just the difference of do I sublet for my apartment or do I sign a lease? Or if if I sign a lease and then I get a job, how do I sublet? Like, it's all of those things. That's exactly right. And again, this has come up multiple times. In fact, on, a, on an episode from a few days ago, um, the guest's name is Julie McNamara. Um, she talks extensively about how she's done the true nomadic actor thing with going out of town and renting rooms and subletting her room and all this stuff. Um, so she gives a lot of good advice about that on that episode. And she says there's a Facebook group. I believe it's called Gypsy Housing, yeah. um, where people uh, work with each other on that stuff. So anyway, if you want insights on that, I, I would listen to that episode, everybody. But um, yeah, no, you're exactly right. All these things are so important. And again, it being New York, you got to be super careful. You really got to do your due diligence. Um, you know, since you alluded to the budgeting thing a couple of times, um, you know, you seem like someone who, uh, you seem like someone who's always been, I, I feel like, uh, pretty responsible, but, but, you know, was that hard for you dealing with money? Has that been an adjustment for you or? Um, what's hard about it is getting jobs. So, so when <laughs> I first moved here, the issue was, I'm Canadian, so I am in a different predicament. I can only do jobs in my field that relate to the my BFA musical theater. So, oh, so you can't? You're not allowed to get any other kind of random survival job? No. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't know that. Whoa. Yeah. Hold on no, a being Canadian really being it really does suck, and it's hard because um, I really you know, didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's hard because. You know, I move. I was moving here, and I was like, okay, I really would love to be a dance teacher, but you know, I don't know anybody here. So, I actually moved to Roosevelt Island, and out of nowhere, next door to my apartment is um is uh, it's called Main Street Theater and Dance Alliance. So I was like, oh my gosh, I need to work here. So I mean, I sent a few emails. I made a few. I I first sent two emails and never heard anything, and then I sent an email again. And then I ended up calling them and I left a message. And then finally I did get some response and they're like, oh, just drop off your cover letter. You're, you know, you're, um, head, uh, well, I brought a headshot in because I was like, I don't really know how this works because it is theater stuff too. Um, and then I didn't really hear anything about it for a while. And then, um, I actually, one of the teachers, I heard her back. And so they had asked me to sub for two classes. And it was funny because the first time they ever asked me to sub was, um, the, it was on my birthday 
and I was supposed to work the next morning at 8.30, but I was having a party that night, and I, like, it was one of those things that it was, like, I can't cancel this party because it's, like, my um, my 22nd birthday and everybody's coming, and it was, like, going to be this big event that I've been planning, but I'm, like, but I need to do this job because it could lead to another job. So um, I sucked it up. I was, like, I'm going to still party, and I'm going to make it to work on time. It'll be fine. And then they asked me to sub again the following week, and I was, like, oh, like, sure, I guess we're back soon better but at that point I was in Boston um just visiting um some old friends from college so I was there and then I had to take a 3 a.m bus home not sleep and go to work at 9 a.m that day and I was like oh my goodness how am I gonna do it but I kept thinking to myself but this could lead to a job this could lead to a job well now it's like seven months later and I have that job the teacher ended up never coming back so you know it was worth it but it's all about choosing a job like for me I was lucky because it forced me to find a job in my field but that's what I, I was think, gonna say yeah. is that I don't I don't like this but it did give you and and sort of that that a forced a forced um perseverance and focus on that exactly that's what I was gonna say yeah and um my friend put it this way because I was kind of feeling weird for a bit because there was like two days now I um now I try to, I'm technically not really allowed to babysit on my visa that I'm on currently. So I, I take a girl to her ballet class. So that's how I kind of get around that. Um, but I was thinking, cause I, there were two days a week that, uh, yeah, I had nothing really to do. And I was like, Oh, I feel weird. Cause I have this one friend that, you know, she's, she was working every single day and I had two days off. Um, and I was like, this is weird. I feel guilty, but I had another friend. They're like, no, you're just working smart. You're making money. Like you're, you're working smart, which means I'm making my job pays well because, you know, I'm teaching kids and it's just, it's a good paycheck for half the amount of hours that say my friend who's just babysitting is getting, you know? So I think it's important to find a job that you a like, but also that does pay well. And you have to, you know, we're adults now and, I kind of felt a little weird asking, you know, I was, I, I taught this Broadway boot camp recently and they had asked me to stay for an extra two hours after I finished all the choreographing just to stay to their show in case they had questions and they weren't going to pay me for those two hours. And at first I was like, if, if I was doing completely fine, like, and I, and I had been with them for like many, many years and like, just, I don't know, I would have said yes, but the issue was, Right now, like, I'm, I'm trying to pay for all this stuff for my visa because it's not cheap. Um, and so I was like, am I am I going to be, like, somehow embarrassed? Like, like, I felt awkward, but I asked. And I guess I did get paid. So it's one of those things that you kind of have to not be afraid to ask because, you know, as actors, we already get gypped out of, like, I feel like we should be making a lot more because of how expensive school costs. Um for like me I'm never gonna probably make back what I spent on school although I was lucky enough my parents and my grandparents really helped me and you know I had some scholarship money so um I'm lucky enough that I don't have student loans to worry about um however you know I have lawyer fees to worry about so um you know it's right now I'm I am budgeting well and I I get stressed out about money but I've always you know my grandparents always like well, you shouldn't stress, you shouldn't stress, like, and then, you know, they would send me, like, a couple hundred dollars here and there, which is, you know, amazing, but, you know, they don't necessarily understand, you know, you go to the hospital, and 
and you don't have insurance here and you, you rack up a couple thousand dollars, you know? So a lot of the money struggles that I'm having are more of circumstantial, like the hospital bills and my, and my um, lawyer fees. Those are like excess fees that I know once I'm done them, they'll be done. I think rent is, you know, you just, you have to like plan. I think it's important to have two separate accounts, like one bank account for your rent and one bank account for your food and extra stuff. You know, I think it's, you have to just do that so that you don't start mixing things up because it's very easy to just kind of spend when you do have the money. You know, if you're on contract and you have the steady paycheck that's coming in and it's a constant, you know, like chunk of money, you don't really see where it goes. Um, I, I was talking to someone, he had done a tour and he was like, guys, if I can like, if I can give you any advice, it's just when you get that first big job, don't spend it all because you're going to want to, but just, just try and save a little bit of it. And it's true because, um, you know, I, I look at the money that I like made from this past summer job and I was like, Oh, I'm going to buy a bunch of new stuff for my room since I'm moving. But now I, now I think, why did I buy all this furniture for my apartment? If I might have to go back to Canada, I'm like at the time it was like, yeah, this is a great idea. Like I'm making my own money. I don't have to ask my parents, but you also have to really think about it. Like an adult. And my mom was like, you should just like buy yourself a bed for now. And just like, just have the bed out. Like, I'm like, mom, I'm not going to sleep with just a bed in my room. But now I'm like, oh, I kind of get why, you know, because I mean, again, it's circumstantial. Like not everybody is, might have to like leave the country like I do. But um, yeah, I think it's all about planning. And I think everybody should do this where they like, I did this with a friend one night when I was getting all these hospital bills and I was like, how am I going to ever pay for anything? Cause you know, my parents could help me out with a lot of stuff. However, I just don't like the feeling of knowing that a, they've paid for my school, but like, I don't want them to pay for other stuff. I want to have that satisfaction that I did this myself, you know? Um, <clears throat> and I also just don't want to have to tell them like where money is going, you know? So, um, I think it's important to, you know, budget. So you go on, make a list and just write, okay, so like how much approximately do I spend on food? You know, like for me, I'm like, oh, I could last um, $40 a week on food. Now I realize I probably spend about $200 a week on food because grocery shopping is expensive in New York, first of all. And I don't live next to a Trader Joe's. I live next to a market. So yeah, at nighttime and I don't have any time, I'm going to go to the expensive market and buy food. Also, when you're in audition, you don't have time necessarily. You're exhausted from the day of auditions, your work, you get home at like midnight and you just crash. Okay. I didn't have time to meal prep. So you're going to go buy something, you know, it all adds up and you have to budget it, you know? So I, I'm like, okay, I probably spent about $200 on food (laughs) a week, which is like terrifying but you know you go out to dinner once and it's like $50 in New York you know so you kind of have to budget that then it's like you know girls have to really look at makeup too because you know when you go on audition like you know lipstick is not is not cheap so you have to budget that you have to you know clothes I mean a big thing I think it's important how you represent yourself in an audition and I think clothes can really help with either portraying who you are as a person to them but also like you clean up good or make you look more like the character so 
I try to invest in like good pieces in my wardrobe and that's something my mom always you know instilled in me she's like I'd rather you have like a few nice pieces and this is for your job it's not like I'm just buying you clothes for fun it's like growing up she would always whenever we would go on a holiday she's like let's buy you one nice audition dress because this is just your thing you know so I think it's important that when you do go like shopping so I always think oh well I could wear this for this event but I could also wear it for this kind of character in an audition um but also Laduka's like for the Laduka boots I just bought were like $420 like that all adds up so just go make a list of everything that possibly could come up like and then give yourself some extra money and then just calculate about how much you actually spend approximately per year because that's when you kind of realize okay this is what adulting is and I can't go out all the time I mean I don't go out all the time but I do have friends like I mean people do um but things really add up that you wouldn't necessarily think add up. So I think it's important, even if you're not in the entertainment business, I think it's important for people to just, you know, make a list of everything that they spend because you will be shocked. <laughs> no, you're a hundred percent right. And, uh, and, and that's all absolutely right. And, you know, what you said about, you know, your particular circumstances, of course, that is true. But don't kid yourself. That's just another version of the same types of financial struggles that people have, you know, even if they're not dealing with what you're dealing with, believe me. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all very, very common. Um, so yeah, no, it's good that, that you're aware of that. Um, cool. So I do want to go back through your upbringing and being from Canada and your schooling and your training and all that stuff. So, um, let's start at the beginning. So you were born and raised in Winnipeg, Canada? Yeah, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Right. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's weird because in Canada, it's not necessarily how it is it laid out in the States. You know, I, I consider myself from like a small city. Um, but then I, I, I went to my roommate's hometown. She lives in Galloway, New Jersey, and she, her town is like dead, but it's really close to Atlantic City, but they're not the same. So I lived in, uh, in Winnipeg and it's, it's a city, but the suburbs were, it, it's only about 15 minute drive to the city. Um, but like it started out, I mean, not like, like a, I mean, we just, everybody makes fun of Winnipeg. But, I mean, we started getting Ikeas, and we started getting, like, the IQ was a big thing when it came. But, um, yeah, so, it's you know, it's up and coming. I think Winnipeg, you know, we got our Winnipeg Gets hockey team now. We do love our hockey. My whole family actually is all into hockey. I was, like, the only one that danced. I, like, tried to force my little cousin to dance. Did not work. She ended up being a hockey player. Um, so, yeah, I think the Winnipeg Jets have made Winnipeg more desirable, but I used to, like, hate it for a very long time, and I was almost mad. I sometimes would get mad at my parents, not – and I feel bad about it now, but I was like, why was I raised here? Like, I wish I was raised in Toronto, or I wish I was raised in, like, New York or L.A., because I could have done what I wanted to do, like, with this acting stuff when I was younger already. But I am extremely happy that I wasn't, because, you know, I do look back at, like – my childhood and you know I got that you know playing outside thing and I got there's just Canadians are different than Americans I just gotta say it like there is just and that's a generalized statement so I know I'm gonna say that 
but you know, there's just a sense of like, people are nicer, like in a whole, like there are things that I'm just like, my mom, she comes and she like says hi. She comes to visit me in New York and starts saying hi to everybody on like Roosevelt Island. And nobody really does that. And I'm like, okay, mom, like, I know it's like super at home, but like get annoyed and stuff. And it's just like, the best way I can explain it is we're chiller. And I really never thought that, but we're just, I feel like when I speak with my friends, like everything is heightened. Like when something happens, it's like the end of the world. Like, um, but in, in Canada, a lot of, I don't know if it's cause it's our government's different and all like everything is just kind of like, yeah, okay. Like it's not, there's nobody really like, get I don't know I feel like things get heated in conversations a lot <laughs> whereas like a lot of the times in Canada like either certain things just don't happen like I mean I'm sorry but we would never elect Trump like it's just one of those things like it's just it's different and it's just chiller that's the best way I can explain it is Canada is chiller <laughs> um but yeah so that's where I grew up um I do you want me to talk about like my I mean my my uh, dance studio and stuff like how I got into everything absolutely but I also want to say you know it sounds like a cliche but you've you know this is a first-hand account that you know this this uh this stereotype that Canadians are more relaxed and everything is uh is true and that's that's that that's nothing to uh that's nothing to sneeze at that's a really uh that's a really you know it's it's good for us to know that you know there's differences out there so <laughs> well yeah and i even i mean i know that like me as a person i am more i would say i'm just more generalized like i like stress i usually like thrive off of stress so i was like oh it's like new york like it will be good for me because i always exactly. need to like do Perfect. something yeah <laughs> yeah whereas like <laughs> For Winnipeg, when I when I was in my senior year, I was like so ready to go. I was really ready to go at that point. But when I go back home, it's nice because it's like a recharge. You know, it's nice to you know go back home and just. I mean, that's basically anybody who goes home. Um, but yeah, it's just it's kind of one of those things that you kind of just have to go and experience the people. I I went to a Rangers versus Jets game back in December and. I brought one of my friends and it's just a great representation of Canada. So I obviously was cheering for the Jets. So I made him wear my Jets like sweater and I wore my jersey and we went and I was like, ha, it's going to be so funny because it's going to be all these, you know, fans that are cheering for the Rangers. Well, we ended up sitting next to a bunch of Winnipeggers. We started talking um, and we were hugging every time the Jets score. Like all of us got up and like screamed. We were hugging. We all like exchanged numbers. Like some of them were from Winnipeg. Some of them were from Ottawa, but used to live in Winnipeg. Like, but the community, my friend turns to me, he goes, I finally understand. Like it took hockey for me to realize it, but you guys just have um, like, like a unity to you guys. And one of the girls that we met, she, was from Winnipeg and I'm like so like what are you still doing there I was like what are you like my well my friend asked and she was like honestly the city sucks but the people are great and you know it's true it's it's kind of like you you stay more for the people and you know the the 
I guess, well, also just our, I, we love our hockey team, so like that's like a thing. But um, yeah, the people is just different. It's not as high maintenance, I guess. Yeah. If you can say, it. and you know, that was something that I used to not really like, but now I, I think I have like a good balance. You know, it took me a hot second to kind of figure out like who. Like, well, I mean, who I want to be in this world anyways. And I think Winnipeg and then going away for school and then now moving to New York, you know, it took a while. But now I'm like, oh, I don't want to be, like, um, as materialistic or I don't want to be, like, this girl who does this too much. Or, I, I mean, I, it kind of, I don't know. I mean, your upbringing really does shape you and it can shape you, like, positively and negatively at the same time, you know. It's funny, I went to college and I remember like I ended up we had free therapy at um school so I was like okay I'll go to therapy because I was very stressed at that point you know I was just I was like you know you go from Canada then you go to Boston you're living with three roommates and you're like doing all this stuff and I was like I'm not talented anymore and I was realize realizing that I was holding on to all this stuff um just in my like not my upbringing but like you know from high school or from middle school that was going on and so for a while, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I hate Winnipeg. Like, why? hate these people, blah, blah, blah. But then you realize after, like, after I was able to get over that all, I was like, wow, like, I actually really do love Winnipeg. Like, last summer, I wasn't able to go home. And I was just, like, finding myself really getting homesick. And that hadn't really happened before. And it just kind of made me realize, like, just like the beauty of my hometown but also just like the memories that are there which is which will make it always home you know oh absolutely of course another thing that people don't realize is a lot of the actors in new york uh, most of them came from elsewhere whether it's another country or somewhere else in the u.s and and you know they're doing their thing but they don't have you know family and and you know, uh, everything, you know, and any kind of backup like that, you know, in New York with them. So it, it can be really tough. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so you said despite, you know, growing up there and, and not having artistic background in your family, you did somehow find dancing and acting and singing uh, pretty early in life. So how did that happen? Um, I think that, so my parents actually first put me in acting class and I was like four or five and I'm assuming it was because I was I mean hyper but also definitely I was dramatic because I mean tantrums like when I say tantrums like dramatic I was like dramatic with tantrums like you know I drama queen um mm. and so I think I don't know what but I just remember my mom like we were on a vacation and she looked at me and she's like do you want to like do acting? And I was like, sure. Like, I don't know. I was like, sure. I don't even remember. I just remember being like, yeah, why not? Um, and so I did this like little acting class that had a performance and then, um, they had tried to put my sister in ballet and that was a disaster. My sister's two years older than me. And, um, they apparently like brought her and then she was like the only kid that wouldn't like, she was just sitting down the whole class or when they were told to sit, she would like refuse to sit. So, you know, my sister didn't go into dance. And so they were like, oh, like, Haley, do you want to do musical theater dance? Because <clears throat> then I could do my acting there. And then they were like, oh, you can dance. Um, so then I started just doing it at this dance studio. I danced at Shelly Shear School of Dance. And 
from then on, I kind of added like a dance class on each year. So then I went, I did, oh, let's do jazz and music theater. Okay, let's do jazz, music theater, and ballet. Now let's do two jazz and blah, 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 and so on and so on. Um, so I was taking about like 13 classes by like seventh grade. Um, I did do some other stuff on the side. You know, I had take, I was taking piano lessons. I was also, um, I used to speed skate. Um, I also was, I did all the sports and gym class. So like whenever we, the teams, I was part of all the teams and I even did recreational basketball. So it wasn't like my parents were like, Oh, you are dancing and that's it. You know, it was a kind of like, my parents gave me plenty of option to just like stop. Cause you know, my brother played hockey and there were times that they thought he wanted to quit. So they were like, we don't want to be those parents that, you know, make their kids like do all these crazy stuff. Cause my best friend at the time, she had gone through everything under the sun. Like she horseback riding, then hockey, then like speed skating. She tried dance. She tried all these crazy stuff. And so my mom was like, well, Haley just seems kind of happy dancing. So I was doing that. Um, and it kind of got to a point where I felt like I was kind of in a standstill at my studio because there were recreational classes, which meant you could do whatever you wanted. And then there was this invitational program, which you had to be asked by the director to join. That basically means that you would compete in competitions and stuff. Um, and so I was finally asked to be in all those pieces, but there was the one class I wasn't was my musical theater class. Um, and I was like, this is the one I've long been longest in. And it was like, I wasn't moved up. And I, my mom was kind of like, that's so weird. And, you know, obviously your mom thinks you're the best one always. So it's like, why aren't you moved up? Um, and my teacher, I specifically remember her saying to my mom, because my mom told me after, she goes, I'd rather Haley shine with the younger class than not shine with the older class. Well, that year the teacher left. I got a new teacher. His name was Roy Smith. And I will talk about him later because he is the reason I'm here today. But had one year with him. Within three months, he uh, took a liking to me. And then I found I got a duet. They gave me a duet. So um, it was basically in that dance world, if you get a solo for a competition, it's like at my studio, it was a big deal. Some studios, you pay them and then they choreograph your solo. At my dance studio, there was none of that. Like you had to like be asked to do a solo. And so I got to do that. And then basically from then on, they were giving me solos and stuff. And then I was the lead in my school musical out of the blue. Like, my mom had no idea I could sing at that point. Um, it was Snow White. Um, they called it Snow White and the Seven Dudes. Like, it was, I think, I don't know who wrote it, but I was Snow White. Um, and I remember I came home, and I was like, Mom, I got Snow White. And she was like, what? Like, she really thought I was lying. That night, I memorized the entire script, like the entire script. I went outside with my neighbor, and we literally had me memorize the entire show in one day. And then the first time my mom saw me sing was literally during our dress rehearsal, which I told her not to come to, but she came. <clears throat> and so I did that. And then so basically that was kind of like, oh, like she's like, she's pretty good. But, you know, it's it's whatever. And then... That next year, I had a solo, and it was basically a song and dance solo at this competition. And I basically got I got second overall, which means I was the second highest score in the entire competition, no matter the genre. So, like, out of hip-hop, out of tap, ballet, jazz, musical theater, all of them. And musical theater, like, never wins. It's always, like, a beautiful lyrical piece that wins or um, 
or like ballet, you know? So I got second overall for my musical theater piece, then a Broadway bound scholarship award. And it was like a big thing. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, and it, from then on, it was never like, for me, it was never, um, Oh, like, do I want to do this as a career? Like it was never that thought. It was always like, yeah, it's what I'm going to do. Like I never, never had any like, um, other thought of that. And then for fun, my mom was like, well, let's uh, like have you audition for, there's like this, um, theater called rainbow stage in my town. And it's like a pretty good theater. It's, um, and it's professional and everything. And we, I had grown up going to see the shows in, the summer times and I remember my mom would sometimes turn to me and she goes do you want to do that someday and I was like yeah so there was an opportunity for kids to be in Beauty and the Beast and so I went and I auditioned and um genuinely have no idea how I got it um there was two girls two boys and I was cho- like I was picked to be one of them and so I think it was in it was back in 2009 so I think I was like 10 or something I don't know I'm not even doing it right now um, or 12, something like that, but <laughs> I'm not about to do math right now. Um, but <clears throat> I just remember being like, I was only on the stage a couple times. Like we were really young, so they weren't going to like give us these crazy things. So we were ensemble and they would, we would come on a few times, but I was like, I love this so much. Um, and it was funny cause it was like my first real audition and I got it, and then I auditioned for them again the next year, and then I got it. And so I was like, wow, two for two, because, you know, in Winnipeg, I'm like, two auditions, like, a year, like, nothing. Um, And I got both of them, so I was like, that's great, you know, but then you come to New York, and then you do, like, 60 auditions and get one. Um, Mm -hmm. But I actually do have a funny story. Before all that, randomly, this is before I even knew I, like, this is, like, in between all this. We randomly got a call for me to come in and audition for the other um, theater in Winnipeg. Like it's like um, it's called Manitoba Theater for Young People, but it's I mean they put on shows that are with adults and stuff. And so they were doing the show called Hawk, which involved um, a bunch of like kids being ducks, and then the mother was there. Anyway, so I was asked to come in and audition, but this was before like my mother knew anything. So she was like, oh, you should go in in your costume because my dance class had done a song from Honk the year before. And I was like, mom, I'm not going to go in my costume. Like, but her opinion, she's like, oh, but they'll think it's so cute. And I'm like, no. And then her friend who like played piano for choir came in and taught me a song. And I like, I cringe at this because they made me sing. Um, I do anything. I think it's that from Oliver. It's like, I do anything for you, dear. Anything. Anyways, I played both parts in my audition. I played the girl part and the boy part. And I remember like turning around and now I'm like thinking back how stupid I looked. Like, absolutely stupid. And then they made me sing the cut like they had given me sides to learn. And my mom's friend's like, oh, there's no way they're going to make you sing the whole song. So just learn the first two pages. You know, you're a little kid and you think, like, the adult is telling you what to do. So, yeah, sure. Well, I get to sing there. And then I, like, they keep playing. And I'm like, oh, I don't know this part. (laughs) And then, and then, so basically I remember, like, leaving crying, being like, I'm so mad. But I think that was important that I was upset because that just meant that, like, already at that age I cared, you know. Absolutely. But I cringe at that story because I'm like, 
how, I mean, my mom is doing her best and I like it. My mom's not really a stage mom at all, which I like, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, you know, she, she, cause she isn't, but then randomly she is. So like randomly like question things or try to ask me like just, just facts about theater or like a show that I'm just like the gossip side or, you know, what am I wearing or whatever. I'm like, where, where is this coming from? You know, cause sometimes she's totally chill and then other times she like thinks she knows like what's correct. So, I mean, that's kind of hard, but no, I love my mom. Um, so yeah, that was, that's kind of my, oh, I guess. Okay. Well, I'll keep going. So I did my, I did all of that, um, stuff with my dance studio. I did actually start assisting. Um, but Roy Smith, basically, I would like to touch on him. He, um, is my no, mentor. I was, I was excited to hear yeah. about him. You said yeah. so important. So, yeah. He is like the man that like made me, he really like believed in me. He did all my solos. He was the one that was like, yes, you got to audition for colleges, like all of this stuff. Um, I would drive him home. Like, well, first it was my mom. Like after certain classes that he taught, we would drive him back to his apartment. He lived alone. And like, we would just drive him back to his apartment. Um, and then when I got my license, like after we would rehearse, like I would drive him home. So we really got to know each other and like, we would go out for dinner and stuff. Um, so he's like the reason. Cause you know, I went to that dance studio and to be honest, a lot of those, teachers wouldn't have given me the time of day if it wasn't for Roy who really like helped shape me um so yeah he was wonderful and unfortunately so this is like where I'm getting at is it was really hard because he um kind of started to get a little they didn't know what was wrong with him he was kind of getting sick but he was like losing weight and they didn't really know and but he was like fine with it um but he wanted to take some time off of teaching he had been there for 30 years. Like he has a picture of himself on the wall. Like he is there. Like he is a big teacher at that school. And I know him and the director had their differences. Um, I mean, a lot of people had their differences um, with her, but I mean, at any job, there's going to be conflict with the employees. Um, so he left for a bit and he was like pretty sick and he had always suffered with depression and mental problems, like mental illness and stuff. Um, and I had done, this is my second, okay, so I'm going into my junior year of college, and every time I would come home for breaks, I would grab dinner with him, like, or we'd have a phone call, like, we'd always get together, and so this is the summer going into junior year, I had just recently had my first professional gig in the States, where I um, performed at Main State Music Theater, and I surprisingly got my first, like, kind of role. It was a small role, but I was, um, uh, Sarah and Fiddler on the Roof. And so we had all these crazy photos of me because I was sitting on a guy's shoulders to make me look tall and I had all this crazy makeup on. So there were some amazing shots that, um, were, were done during one of the performances. So my mom had blown one up and was ready to, um, send it to Roy when she got back from, the vacation so she was like oh so it it would happen on a Sunday and she was going to go on the Monday to deliver these you know pictures to him and I get a call on the Saturday before this Monday that she had planned you know to give these photos she calls me and she goes 
Roy's dead. Like, literally, I was like, wait, what? Like, I was like, and I'm on my way to rehearsal, like, full on, like, about to, like, go into a full, like, six-hour rehearsal at school for the show we were doing. And I, like, had to go, and I was like, wait, what? And she she didn't really give me any explanation at all. And then, basically, after all the fat, like, uh, after my rehearsal and stuff, she um, decided to tell me, like, why and, and stuff. But he committed suicide. And, um, he was, he, I was, my family's name was on his suicide list. He, he didn't really write a note. He wrote a list of people to contact, um, and his maintenance people found him. Um, and so my family's name was on his, so it was, the only three names that were on his list was his niece, one of his sisters and my family's name. So my dance studio found out he had passed away, um, had passed away. And also I, there was only like six people invited to his funeral. He had a private funeral and they only wanted certain people there. Um, so my dance do like the owners, all the teachers that knew him. So none of them were invited. Um, and none of them knew at that point that he had killed himself. No, nobody knew. And so I was holding on to this information, like, Oh my gosh, like why did he do it? Like, you know, going back and forth. And like my thought, like, I mean, I had two thoughts. It was maybe, you know, he was already, he was kind of sick, you know, and he wanted to get back to teaching. He had said that he had called the studio to try and get back, and then they just ignored him, and um, they replaced him, actually, with two younger people. So, I mean, he literally was, he worked at that studio to live. Like, that that was, that's what he lived for. He didn't, like, his that studio, those kids were his life. And he kind of told me too, like, and I felt bad, but he was like, you were kind of like my, like my protege. Like that's who I put my soul into. And so he kind of kept saying, what am I going to do when like, you're not there? Um, so he really did care about his students. And I think, you know, I, I don't know what happened, but things went south there, but he was also getting sick and, you know, maybe he, I don't know, you know, like I can go keep talking about and have no idea how and why he did it. But, um, so that was like really traumatizing for me. And I wasn't able to go home for the funeral because my, so the one downside about my school is you cannot miss more than two classes or else like you are, you like your grade drops, you know? And I was actually in a show that there's only like three performances and like, it's a big honor to be in their main stage show. So it was like, there was no way of me leaving. So I didn't really get to grieve it. Like it was hard for me to, to kind of grieve. Um, and I kept thinking like, I want to do something special for him. So I had kind of mentioned to my friend, I was like, I would love to maybe like choreograph a dance in video to make it, um, kind of like a tribute to him. And so there was one day where I was supposed to hang out with my best friend in the world. So I, I called her and I texted her, I'm like, where are you? And I, it was, she was MIA. And then all of a sudden she texted me and she's like, come to this room. And it was just a room at the school. It was like a practice room, the piano. And I get there and she goes, I wrote you a song about Roy. And I was like, oh my gosh. And she took every single possible little detail that I had ever. Or um, just, it was crazy. She wrote a song and like, I just remember sobbing. She was like playing it and singing it. She's the most beautiful voice too. So it was like amazing. And it was like, that kind of helped me grieve. And then I had a other friend who is amazing at choreographing things. So I had her choreograph a dance for me. And then I actually raised money on GoFundMe 
and we created, we had them professionally recorded, my friend, and singing the song, and then we professionally filmed me dancing. Um, and so I like made this like tribute video to him. Um, and my goal was to eventually, I would love to try and get this song on iTunes. Um, and then like, if it raises any money or, or just, or, or put a link and say like, please donate to mental illness. The issue is a lot of the people at my dance studio still do not necessarily know that he did kill himself. So it's like, I don't know how to go about that without, um, you know, like with, with like holding that information. So, yeah, so that's like, that, that's like a whole, I know that was like a whole lot, but that video that I have, like, um, you know, I had so many, when I like posted it and I also had sent the actual and the actual video file to all the people that donated. Cause a lot of the people that donated were, you know, friends of mine or people that knew Roy and stuff. And I had a lot of like his family members. They all like messaged me privately and like, they all loved the song. And I had a few people be like, wow, how did you find that song? It was exactly like Roy. Like, I don't understand how you were able to find it. I was like, I got it made. <laughs> um, but it was like, I even still watch it today sometimes. Cause I don't know. I know like it's, I don't mean to sound narcissistic. Like I watch it. I would say it's not my best dancing necessarily, but that's not what the video was about. It was about, um, Roy. And it was just about, I don't know. It really, dancing it and stuff really helped me grieve. Like that was my way to grieve because I wasn't really able to at the time, you know, I was in rehearsal. So this project took a few months to do and finish. And honestly, like I'm happy because I have this now, like for the rest of my life. And it's just one of those things though, that it's like, I, I told myself, so my Roy actually, when I graduated, he got me these, beautiful beautiful earrings so whenever I have a callback they're they have purple in them so whenever I have like a, an important callback or like opening night or something I always wear them um and he also gave me a signed headshot of himself and so um I always said part of the song what in the song it says I'll save you a seat and he always said I expect like front row tickets to your first Broadway show so I always tell myself if I ever book Broadway I am buying one seat in the front row and I'm putting his headshot there because he, it was framed and everything. I'm putting his headshot there and I'm doing the show for him. Like that is going to be my thing, you know? Um, yeah. So there's just sometimes, you know, it's sometimes like I think about him and I'm like, eh, you know, it's sad and I wish that I could, you know, talk to him or be like, guess what? Like, this is what I've done so far, but it almost makes me work harder. Cause I'm like, well, you know, like, Maybe if I book Broadway, like, he'll be like, yeah, like, in heaven. You know what I mean? So, it's it's hard that I won't be able to ever tell him that, like, to his face. But, you know, I mean, death with anything is is, in, is a hard uh, situation, you know? And so, I think that using my art was the right way to go about that and stuff. And I think he would have appreciated it. Well, of course. I mean, first of all, it's it's perfectly fitting, and it's, you know, it makes sense, and it's great that you guys did all that. And, you know, I'm so sorry about that. And, you know, what I can tell you is that I definitely had some relationships with 
directors and mentors and whatever when I was young. And, you know, it's, it's so, as you said, it's so important then. It's so powerful then at any time, but especially then. So for that sort of thing to happen, you know, is, uh, is a tremendous, um, you know, tragedy for you. And I'm sorry. Is that, um, video still on YouTube? Yeah, it is. Well, if you like, we can post it, you know, the link to it on the episode notes here if you want when we, when we're, when we do that. Yeah, I definitely can send you the link. Yeah, I was I, I was thinking his birthday is actually in June. So I was thinking maybe I'll do like a re like a repost of it. And also, I think I'm going to try it. I've, I've talked to the my friend who actually wrote the song and recorded it. I would like to try to get it on iTunes. Because um, sometimes even I'm like, oh, I wish I had that on my this playlist, you know, to stretch to or something. So I was thinking since enough time has passed, um, possibly doing like a release of the song on his birthday. Sure. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's just something that I've been thinking about. I think that would be excellent. And I, and I love your idea of getting him the seat at the show, too. That's really, yeah. really wonderful. So, yeah, we'll post the link. And, you know, that's, uh, that's a really sad but poignant story. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to uh, hard to jump back from that. But, uh, sorry. I know, I know. I know. Oh, don't be sorry. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm really glad you shared it. But so you ended up at the Boston Conservatory for college? Yes. And what, what did you choose that school? Um, well, so at that point I still had when I, growing up like nobody in Winnipeg really goes away for college. I mean, it's very there's just not a lot of people that do it. So mm-hmm. for me it was like all the imp- and especially for musical theater. Like I had no nobody. So basically I did a lot of research on my own, and I mean, I I found Boston Conservatory honestly in like seventh grade I, when I was googling because wow. it's very it was yeah I know I like knew I wanted to go to school mm-hmm. for theater, um, but when I was really like looking into it, Boston Conservatory was my top choice from the beginning because of their dance program. It was important for me. A lot of those schools don't have the dance program that Boston Conservatory does. And with my training, you know, I thought about, should I go to a school that doesn't have as much dance because I already have had so much training? But I was like, no, like I need to continue it. Um, because Boston Conservatory is almost like the best way to explain it is since it is a conservatory, you know, you are basically triple majoring in acting, singing and dancing. You know, you have, you you don't have to do a lot of the, um, you don't have to minor in anything. Whereas a lot of schools, like you have to minor in like business on the side, you know, you have a lot of normal classes. Whereas, you know, I had voice and speech class, jazz class, musical theater class, acting class, like, um, and then we would have two liberal arts classes a week. Um, for, so about four, so like four hours a week of normal classes per se, but those classes had to do with theater. So one of the classes was neuroscience. So you think, oh my gosh, neuroscience. But it was to do with the brain of like a performer, you know. So how it happens with audition, audition, oh, really? like wow. near, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So it's a new one there's, like that. Mm-hmm. But as a conservatory, they can kind of the rules are like easily bendable. So I had more time to focus on. Um the amount of dance classes that we had, the amount of acting classes, 
it was almost like I was getting a triple major, if that makes sense. Um, so I felt like I was really spending an equal time on all three, whereas a lot of programs kind of dismiss the dance side of it. So, so no, of course, and that sounds that sounds perfect. But I just want to be clear: you're you're saying that because your 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 focus then or your major was musical theater, is that right? Yeah. Okay, so that's why you had all three, because there were people that went there just for acting too, right? Well, so no, so with oh. Boston Conservatory, you okay? So this is how. You when you audition, you they score you. So you have your dance call, and then you have your audition where you do your Shakespeare monologue, your normal monologue, and then two songs. Each of them is scored. So some people will get in based more on their dance ability. Some people will get um, in based more on their singing. All three, whatever, it depends on the person. On the first day of classes. Actually, probably like a week before during orientation week, you have auditions to be placed in everybody. You get placed into cores, which is completely random, just to make the classes smaller. And everybody does the same um, acting classes, um, the musical theater classes, and then you are assigned a voice teacher. Um, but with the dance, you audition, and they place you in the level of dance that they see fit. So I was put in the highest level, but I had friends that were put in the lowest level or the middle level. And basically, you just work your way up. Um, at the end, so then people who came into Boko not really dancers, they're at least able to get through like a movers call. But your senior year, you get to choose your emphasis, which basically means you get an extra three hours a week of what you want to focus on. So there was dance emphasis, which I did. Um, there was directing emphasis. There was acting emphasis, which I did, which means you put on show. Um, as well, um, repertoire I also did, which if you get three songs a week that your coach gives you and you learn three new songs a week um, to add to your rep book. Um, there's, uh, I'm trying to think if I missed, oh, there's songwriting emphasis where I didn't do that. But like, you know, you can write songs and like learn all that aspect of things. Um, so there's room, there's a good structure at Boca, but then there's also room to excel in you know, whatever level you are at that time, you know, um, it doesn't really make sense to put someone who can't dance in the highest level, obviously. But I mean, if their voice is absolutely amazing and they can act again, like they can just, they can really act, you know, and they're not the best dancer. Well, at least the school, the school at least takes, will take them in and try to like, at least make them, be able to pass a, a dance call or something, you know, I think regardless of your level or your background, you're going to have to dance at some point in this career, you know, like whether it's even just in, I'm um, trying to think of like hairspray. I mean, it depends on how dancey they want that show, but there's people that you don't have to be a dancer, dancer to be in that show, but you have to be able to have that pickup skill. Um, where they teach you a combo. I have a lot of friends that they say they're not dancers, but they're like, well, if I just would learn the combination, I can totally get it. You know, that works with certain things. You know, it works with a lot of more like, uh, like gestural dancing, I guess, more movement based. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think that's the main reason, like I wanted to go to Boco is, you know, it was good for all levels. You were put in the level that you, we're meant to be in and there's places there's, there's a place to grow. And I think the biggest thing actually going to school is 
I thought that I knew everyone before I got to Boca. I was like, well, I already know really everything about dance. But then I got there and I was like, oh, I got way better because I may have lost some of my ballet. Te- I know I was taking six hours of ballet a week prior to um, going to Moscow Conservatory. But and so obviously I cut down when I went to the school, but I learned something that I never learned in my dance studio where I learned how to dance more as an individual because I did solos but they were musical theater solos and it was like you were a lead and there's a difference about being like a lead and like being in that costume and I don't know but then a lot of the group numbers that I was in you were trained to dance like identical to everybody else whereas in theater ensemble members like yeah you want everybody to be clean but you still want everybody to kind of be an individual because that's what makes it interesting to the audience like the interactions and stuff and I learned how to like be comfortable just like dancing as an individual I guess and not being afraid to go to the front of the room and being like no I'm good I'm gonna like shine you know I because growing up and I'll say this is why I love voice so much was I was kind of, I was like the star in my musical theater classes, but in all my other dance classes, you know, I still were in them, but um, there were the three favorites. Like at any dance year, there's like the three favorites and that is who the teachers care about. And so I kind of always felt like anytime we would do anything performance wise, or if we would do something across the floor, I always had to go to the back because that the front was reserved for those three favorites. And college kind of made me realize that like, that doesn't matter in the real world um and so I kind of just realized that like I'm doing it for me and so yeah it kind of just helped me become an individual as as a a dancer and just really like own my abilities and stuff and stop comparing myself to other dancers and stuff Mm -hmm. no that's all very that's all really really important and uh so yeah it sounds like a great school I I just want to the reason I keep trying to clarify this, I guess I didn't understand. So the conservatory, the whole conservatory is all for musical theater. There is no, I'm just an actor, not a singer. That's not an option there. Um, yeah. So basically, okay. So you have the musical theater program. There is a dance program. Mm-hmm. The dance program is like primarily like modern contemporary. Um, and then there is a classical um, like opera like classical voice. Right. So it, then, it's all based around music. There's no just acting without the musical part. Yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah. They had started a, they tried, they started this, it's called contemporary uh, theater. Maybe contemporary, I think it's contemporary theater. They tried to start this new program. It kind of flopped, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a program that they basically paid the students to come to because they were testing it out. Um, but I don't think it knew what it wanted to be yet. And a lot of, um, the teachers that initially had come up with the idea ended up having to leave. So it was just kind of a lot of, it was a flop. Um, but I know that there was talk about trying to possibly incorporate like straight acting, Mm -hmm. but I would, I will say like our, a lot of like our program, like I, I love our acting program. I mean, you get a great taste of different um, teachers and I never felt like I was not studying acting. You know, I, you know, if you go to an acting school, you really dive into all the different methods. And I felt like we had six hours a week minimum. And 
I don't know. I felt like I really got to learn. I, cause I, I come here and, um, it's funny. I, uh, someone was just telling me about like Meisnering or something or just, just, just things they were just talking about. It. I'm like, Oh, I actually know all of that. Like you don't realize what you learn in college. You're like, Oh, it just kind of goes over your head. Or, Did I really learn anything? But then now like looking back, I'm like, wow, I actually learned so many different acting techniques that like, I don't feel, um, I don't feel like I went to a, a musical theater program. Like I genuinely feel like I, like I said earlier, like I majored in acting or I majored in theater, I majored in dance. Cause that's just how, um, like attention to detail that they put it on. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. No, that, but, yeah, you're that, right. There's no acting, acting, acting. Got it. No, it sounds like the perfect school for musical theater. That's, that's really great. Um, and funny, what, what you were just talking about is one of the things I was going to ask you about because acting training is another big topic of this podcast because I'm fascinated by it. But before we go there, um, so you obviously were very comfortable with the dancing and were very into that. Was the singing part challenging at all for you or were you, were you very comfortable as a singer as well? Um, so actually I forgot to say this, but I did start taking voice lessons, um, in Winnipeg when I was younger. However, I will tell you that like basically the extent of my training was just sing super loud. And so, <laughs> I mean, I could sing well what I could sing well. It was, I didn't really have a good range, but I sung songs that I could sing and it sounded great of those specific songs, but it wasn't like I uh, but I, when I got to college, it was like, I mean, I'm around all these amazing, amazing, amazing singers, and I definitely got in more based on my dance ability. Um, I will possibly my acting, you know, but I would definitely say probably what got me into the school was my dance. Mm -hmm. um, but it's funny because, wait, my mind is just blanking. What did you just ask? <laughs> Sorry. I asked, I asked how comfortable you are with the school. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I got to, I, I got to, um, um, Boca and I had someone recommended Lisa Sheldon, my voice teacher, um, that I should go and, you know, have her as my teacher. And I was so nervous because she, I was much more of a belter. Like I belted, but I was not a good belter. I mean, I was, I was fine with what I could do, if that makes sense, but I wasn't like, I wasn't amazing or anything. Um, anyway, so I was very insecure, super, super insecure. And she kind of was like, stop saying sorry. She's like, oh my goodness. Like, I'm going to have you like leave, you know, she was just like, she was getting fed up, but she was like, you can sing, but you need to trust yourself. And I was like, I know, I know. Um, and so she only let me sing legit, which like, um, you know, it's, it's more like in your head voice, a lot lighter, um, songs for the first year and so she forced me to get up on stage for both of my recitals and sing these legit pieces and I was like mortified but that's what I needed because the next year out of nowhere I was able to start I started building I learned the proper technique and by the end like now I would I feel completely comfortable just going to singer's call like it's not it's not like I'm like oh I'm just a dancer like now I'm like I know my limits. Like I know I'm, I'm more of a belter still. Like I can whip out a legit song if I need to. Um, but again, I know, you know, it's like, I, I, I know my like limits. Like my best friend has the most beautiful mixed voice in the world. And 
she's just her voice is just super super pretty whereas mine is more like it's it's like deep not deeper it's more just it's not going to be as light and fluffy so like I'm not going to be playing like I'm trying to think of like a princess like I'm more of an Elsa than an Anna if that makes sense sure um so yeah so I I now now I'm comfortable like singing and it's it's fine but there was definitely a time like my first year I was definitely like super super timid and I was afraid to sing like before I would do any sort of performance I would start practicing like two hours ahead of it whereas now I feel comfortable enough there I can just like whip out a song you know um but yeah that's like a big that's a big thing in our industry like are you there oh yeah no absolutely sorry my my headphones I'm just gonna take out here I'm gonna go on you can hear this means we're gonna have to upload this as part two so welcome to part two everybody part two (laughs) sorry sorry oh my goodness um, my headphones, my AirPods kept making like these weird noise. So I guess they were running out of battery. So I just took them out, but I didn't think it would disconnect the call. No worries. No worries. Um, but, uh, where were we? Um, uh, you're singing oh, and you're comfortable yeah. with singing auditions and things. Yeah. Cause I know your I, ability or your limits. Well, and it's crazy. It's, it's crazy to me. Cause you know, there's this whole talk of, well, a lot of these dancers now, um, like, are trying to transition into fear, and some people, like, hate it, some people don't, and I feel for both sides, because I'm like, well, I feel like I started as a dancer, but I mean, I went to school, like, for musical theater, and, like, we trained so much um, for it, and so it is hard when, like, I go to an audition, I go to these dancer calls, and then I made it past the dancer call, and they're like, okay, 16 bars, and you know, sometimes it's nice because there are a lot of dancers who cannot sing, so they have two songs in their book, you know. Our school prepared us, and I got, like, 20 that I can, like, whip out. Um, but there are some dancers who can't carry a tune, just like some amazing singers can't dance for their life. But mm-hmm. it's funny because it is such a thing, like, um, you know, you, do you, the story of... Um, people turning off mics when they're in the ensemble like it does happen like some people just like can't sing and they are hired solely i never heard that but okay yeah no it's like it's like really a thing they'll turn off people's mics um so it's just like it's interesting to me because i totally feel but again it's like the being aware of like what you can and can't do and like i've been at auditions where i've like been talking to a dancer and and I feel for her because I'm like, oh yeah, like I totally like, I it's I tell them it's always about confidence. It's you just have to like once you get past it, just keep going. And it's honestly singing a lot of it is the confidence aspect. But um, yeah, sometimes people just are tone deaf, and that just happens. You know, you you watch American Idol and you see people, and you're like, how on earth can they not tell that they're horrible? But genuinely, this industry like that happens it really does happen and you know what sometimes they actually book the job because sometimes it really is or maybe they gave the best acting performance you know it's not that's why there's so many factors so you know when you get when you get cut but you know someone got the job and they have a horrible voice well they may have had an amazing acting audition or they may have killed the dance combo you know of course and in terms of the acting training you received at Boston Conservatory, you were talking about it earlier. 
Um, you know, you said you got exposed to a variety of approaches. Um, was there any specific strategies that, that you really, you know, that you found really useful? I mean, when you, when you do an acting audition now, you know, or, or you're working on an acting scene that's not musical, you know, do you have a very specific acting technique that you learned or do you just kind of um, wing it's it? More of, <laughs> no, it's more of, I use, it's not like I use one specific technique. It's about like, I take bits and pieces from each, like, um, each kind of technique that we learn. So sure. I, I, and it also depends on timing. Like how much time do I have to prepare? So, sure. um, and honestly, I'm going to get all of them mixed up because we learned so many, but it doesn't, it's more about the actual activity, but I know misering really helped for me. Like when I, when we learned how to misner, I really, that's kind of what got me out of my head because you're just forced to say something a billion ways and you realize that there's not one really right way to say a line. Yeah. Um, and I love doing that because it kind of just gets you out of my head. So if I have to do a scene with someone, that's when I'll kind of use that Meisner technique because it just gets over the weird, like, okay, are we going to make eye contact now? Like it's just, or just getting comfortable with that person. It helps. Or if I'm, if I'm reading a side and there's like this one, um, usually there's like one or two lines in a scene that I'm given for a callback or something that I'm like, how am I going to say this? So I don't sound like totally like a horrible actor. Cause sometimes it's just written bad. Um, so that's usually when I'll have my like roommate or something I'll, uh, ask and I'll just like figure out how I want to do it. So I'll Meisner it to try and do a different way. Um, we learned a lot of, um, you know, using all aspects of your, like, I think it's called Stanislaus, (laughs) I can't even pronounce it, Stanislaus, oh my gosh, Stanislaus, yes, that's it, I can't (laughs) say it, um, so I really like that, you know, um, I, a lot of it is, um, we learned a lot about, like, kind of scoring your script, like you would your song, um, so kind of scoring it for, like, you know, if it's a question, like, I kind of will put an arrow just to, like, where I want my pitch kind of, like, it, it makes more sense for it to go up here, you know? Like, you don't want to overdo it because, you know, that, obviously, you don't want it to become mechanical. But, like, there's certain words that I'll highlight. Um, all uh, all important words I'll define, even if I know what they mean. Like, I'll find, like, four different definitions because, it, you know, it does help. Um, the... You know, I was a I did Trojan Women last year, and our teachers wanted us to do um, like really make a biography of the of our characters, and so I ended up printing out like pictures of what my hypothetical imaginary baby looked like, and all of this stuff, and you know, all of that kind of stuff helps. So I think it really kind of depends on the project, and you know, how much time you have, if you have people at your disposal. I really do like. Um, I used to hate the whole imaginary things, you know, freshman year, we had to do a lot of like exploring around the space to like music or he would give us prompts and I hated it. All of a sudden we did a movement class that was two hours long and basically that's all what the class was. And it basically was like becoming a kid again and playing make believe. And ever since then, like, it's amazing. And it's just being able to have time to like play in the space. Um, whether it be for a show or just an exercise, like 
is super beneficial. So for actual, for Trojan women, when my teacher, sorry, my director, um, one night he goes, okay, so this is after we've done the, we've blocked everything, everything's done. Now it's just rehearsing it all. He's like, we are going to come in this Friday and I just want you guys to show up. And we had no idea what we were doing. He ended up putting music on. He goes, I want you to perform the show. But, and then he separated it into like four different sections, the room. He goes, I want you to perform the show, no speaking. And he was playing music to go along with it. And we did the whole show and it ended in like people sobbing and like, it was just, it was crazy. And you don't realize like sometimes with words, like the actual emotions behind everything, sometimes you just like, you know, you speak the words and things go over your head, but that kind of forces you to play in the space and the world that you're in. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that made any sense, but, uh, there's just acting is so cool. Cause there's so many different, uh, different acting is there's so many different branches that you can explore. And I think I used to get scared, you know, doing scenes in auditions, you know, cold reads. But again, we like had a class for, um, for uh cold reading and stuff and now i'm just like once you get past the point of like honestly if you just make a choice it's fine like take your time it doesn't have to be rushed and there's no right way as long as you like pick a way and actually commit to it like it's gonna be a choice and it's gonna be accepted you know because it's important to be able to take direction so you know if they at least see that you can make a choice then they can at least direct you you know no, everything you've been saying is very pragmatic, and it's, you know, you, you, you definitely, uh, you know, it sounds like you really, you know, do your thorough preparation and think it through, and it sounds like you have a very good head on your shoulders for acting, so that's that's great. Um, so, yeah, that all makes that all makes great sense. So, just a couple more things, um, you know, being that, as a musical theater performer and you're going to these auditions and everything, you know, you have to be able to act, as we said, and sing and dance, or at least, you know, hopefully all three, like you said, some people don't, but, you know, in terms of, especially for the dancing and singing, you obviously have to not only take good care of your voice and your body, but also know how to maintain it, prepare it, warm ups, all that kind of stuff. So do you have routines, whether they be daily or before auditions or whatever, of, you know, exercising and maintaining your, your instruments, your voice and your body? Yeah, I actually went through um, a bit of like an issue with health the last year. So I'm I know tired. all about that. So, yeah, it's OK. So this basically I got um this summer I had a contract, but I was getting like really, really sick all the time. And within a span of four months, I had like 12 viral infections, a double ear infection, mono. I had, was getting pneumonia, I, just all this crazy stuff. And we were like, what is going on? Like, I just could not get healthy. And then I couldn't sing. I couldn't sing for literally like three months. Like my voice was completely gone. And I thought, oh my gosh, do I have notes? Have I been singing unhealthily? So I went to go get scope and she goes, no, your vocal cords are absolutely like super healthy. Like I, I could send you to a voice therapist. Maybe like there's something wrong there. I go to see the voice therapist. She tells me that everything is like exactly where, like how I should be doing things. Um, 
And then I was, I was getting all these other symptoms. Like I was just basically end of the story after lots of tests and stuff. We found out I have chronic Lyme disease. Oh God. So it's very, yeah. So my situation again is a little different, but I think that it's kind of important for people anyways to follow this. It's like, I've realized that, um, sleep is very important. Your health is number one. So, you know, you may get FOMO if you don't go out or, um, you know, it's, you can't, you can't really stay out. Some people can do this. Some people have, they don't need sleep. Like they can be up till three in the morning and wake up at nine and be completely ready to go to work. For me, I can't do that. And some of my friends can. And so that's when the FOMO kind of comes in and you're like, Oh, like everybody's having fun, but you're not going to be a happy I'm sorry. Person. I'm sorry. Forgive me. FOMO. Oh, FOMO. Like fear of missing out. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. I, that's one of sorry. the, one of these modern terms. I got you. Yes. Uh, sorry. Yeah. So it's just sometimes I would be like, Oh, <laughs> like my friends, yeah, I, I would get kind of, you know, like, just just jealous almost of like oh I wish I could go out and I felt like nobody really necessarily understood like they thought oh like Kaylee's just being lazy like but a lot of it was if I didn't get that sleep I a would be a miserable person I would be sick so I couldn't audition and my body would like ache and I couldn't really do what I needed to do so I wasn't really able to like work out or anything for a while but now I've kind of gotten um now I'm like kind of getting back into my own routine so I think if I if I let me see what I can give advice. Well, obviously try and eat healthy. <laughs> like that's something that I've a lot of things with line is a lot eating um food that comes from the earth. So, you know, try to stay away from honestly anything that's processed or things that are in a wrapper. Like obviously that's really hard to do in our yeah, But that's also state. good advice for anybody. Yeah. And it's hard in our like day and age that I get everything everybody wants things instantly and stuff. Yep. But yep. you know, with with inflammation, like do your own research on inflammation because inflammation can affect your voice and it can affect your um, muscles and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So for me in mine, like I also have an autoimmune disease. So me finding things that cause my flare ups, like, so I don't lose my voice. is really important. But, um, but I think it's an interesting thing for people to realize. I'm actually about to start. I've heard celery juice has all these amazing qualities. So I, I was asked, um, to read it's this book called the medical medium and apparently it talks about celery juice and a lot of like holistic things that you can do so i was like well you know i might as well try that um so i'm doing that i right now i love working out like that has been my like i like would love to be a personal trainer on the side if i could although i can't because my job and stuff um right now like i chose to not spend money on a gym membership because a i have friends that work at gyms so sometimes they can guess me in um i bought like so what i do is a i am doing auditions a lot so sometimes saving money go to an audition you're gonna make up a sweat like you're getting a free dance class even if you don't book it it's fine um but i like i bought myself like some kettlebells and like a bosu ball like a yoga mat and just bands different things that basically anything that i use at the gym in their like free room i bought um for off amazon and just like have it all under my bed so that i can do those things in my apartment Mm -hmm. um i love i mean i used to be a runner um i used to run track a lot and that was how i got a lot of my stresses but i actually had achilles surgery back in um my soft uh my junior year of college um i had this deformity in my heel bone which basically was like scraping against my Achilles so we had to fix it um 
And so they basically told me like not to run anymore. Um, so now what I do is occasionally, like I won't run every day like I used to, but I'll run like, Oh, like maybe I'll run this week or like I'll run twice this week or like not run for a month, but run like four times in a week, like just kind of based on how I'm feeling. Um, and I'll like jump rope, um, or just like, yeah, like we'll go for walks, like a walk around, um, you know, cause for me working out is more about the mental, like, um, you know, it, it kind of releases my, all my stresses I find. Um, but some people don't like that. Like some people need, need the extra motivation. Like they can't do it themselves. So like, I also have, cl- I have a guest, pa- uh, a class passes for the fitting room. You know, if I'm ever like, I want to like the class energy. Um, I have friends that teach like three or five fitness, which is fun. Um, that I'll occasionally will do, or um, like flywheel, flybar. Um, it just kind of depends, but I think it's important to like, just you know, exercise in general is good for you. And so, like, if you can do it, do it. But I think I went through a phase where I felt like I needed to work out every day to like attain a certain like body image, and then I realized that stress for me is a big trigger, and that even if I work out like crazy if I don't get enough sleep I will gain weight because of my just like my health and stuff and so I realized like if I'm tired like I'm gonna take a nap and it's okay you know it's not me being lazy it's like my body is saying Haley you really need a nap um so I don't know I think it's just like try drink lots of water obviously you know it's really true you gotta drink I think everybody needs to drink more water um but yeah, I, it's not necessarily that I have a routine. It's like, I guess it's, you just kind of have to live like a, try to live a healthy lifestyle. Like just try to put good food in your body. Like try not to eat right before you go to bed. Like do research. I love researching health. Like maybe like invite a friend over and, you know, make a healthy dessert. Like I'll do that with my friends sometimes. Um, cause sometimes for me, it's hard. I have more diet restrictions. I also have celiac disease, so I cannot eat gluten. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So it's it's hard sometimes, you know, with when I go out because my friends are like eating like crap, crappy food. And, you know, sometimes it's that thing where it's like, oh, like, Haley, you're not fat, like you can eat this. And it's not that I think I need to lose weight or I can't. I need to deprive myself of eating it. It's literally my health. My body doesn't respond well to those foods. Sure. Um, so it's not that, like so just stick to like your mindset. Like if. If if I can give any advice, it's like let other people worry about their diets. You worry about yours, and like don't let other people try to like convince you that your diet is like. I had a trouble. Like sometimes people are like, oh, you're my friend. I was ordering a meal, and he goes, he's also a server, and he goes, oh my gosh, I hate people like you at restaurants. And I'm like, I know, but like I can't eat anything else, so I have to make these changes. He goes, I know, just some people just do it to be annoying, but I'm like. I don't do it to be annoying. I actually do it because my body will literally hate me if I, you know, don't. Or if I do eat it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, of course. And, of course, you have to be aware of whatever the particulars of your situation are. But, you know, just in general, as far as the other things you were saying, of course, for anybody, and especially a performer, you know, taking care of yourself, getting enough sleep, of course that's important. And also the... You know, you talked about getting an outlet. This came up the other day with that other guest, uh, Julie McNamara, again, because she's also a yoga teacher. 
And she mm-hmm. finds for her that yoga is the best, like, outlet for her to relax. So, you know, you need something. Even I need walking, to take like yoga. Yeah. yeah, but everybody needs something that gets them, you know, calm and, and away from the craziness and, you know, to decompress and to have an outlet, especially if you're running around trying to be an actor. Yeah, I um used to, something that I picked up from school, one of my teachers tried to get us on, is like, mindful stretching. So one of my, like, goals was I, like, for three songs during the day, whatever time of the day, I put on, like, three stops, you know, like, just relaxing songs and just kind of stretch in, like, silence to that music. Um, just to just kind of just see how my body's at. So that's something that, it's one of those things I kind of, go in and out of doing it I can be really good about doing it and then I can go two weeks without doing it so it's just kind of you know I journal a lot too mm-hmm. um so yeah it's just kind of like not beating yourself up if you don't stick to your routine I guess but also like making an effort at least you know oh I should probably be doing this again like I usually journal every day but the last two weeks I just haven't had time because I have been applying for my visa and I can I can really, um, I can like feel it in myself if that makes sense. Like I need that outlet that I haven't been having. Yeah, so. definitely. Definitely. Exactly. All right. Well, I have one more question for you, which is, you know, you're working hard at all this. Obviously, I hope you do get the visa so you can stay if that's what you want and everything. So assuming you get the visa, um, or just, you know, in general, Ideally for you, where would you like your career to go? Where do you want to be in the next, let's say, five years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I have like, I, you know, I've made lists of, you know, my dream roles that I love to play and like parts that I'd love to play. Obviously, you know, my end goal has always been Broadway. Like, yeah. that's just something that I have, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, I won't, I will not stop until I book Broadway. Like, that's just, I know. And like some yeah, people like come to realize like, yeah, they're like, Broadway's not everything. And I know that, like, I, I know, but for me, like that's, that's my goal. And I'm kind of one of those people that I, I give myself a goal. And like, I, I, I must, I must achieve that goal. Yeah. So that's like one of my big things. I would really love to, um, you know, I would love to travel. I would do, I would do, um, a tour. So I think that would just be good life experience. Um, I've had friends that have done cruises and stuff, and I don't necessarily know if I could see myself doing a cruise. It kind of depends on the contract length and the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would be, uh, an interesting, um, experience to, you know, either go on the road or like, you know, just get to have that experience. Um, but no, I would, I definitely like, that might not happen and that's like okay. And so it's just one of those things that I just want to be like, I want to be able to afford my rent completely without ever having to be like, mom, dad, can I, like, can I have this? Or like, honestly, at this point, I have goals that it's like immediate goals. Like right now, my immediate goal, goal is to get my visa. Yeah. My next goal is to like, it depends like, oh, is it summer stock? Is it this? Cause the thing is, your goals completely, um, I, I feel like they completely change in like five years I would love to be living in a studio apartment in New York who knows what that happened but I would love it I would love to have my own dog 
Like, I feel like that would be amazing. Um, but career wise, I would, I hope that I'll have some more, um, film connections by then. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like, I don't know. I just, for, for me, it's almost like, I feel like what I'm saying is like, almost too obvious (laughs) i don't know not not Um, at all and also you know you're right that goals change and also to break it down into the immediate goals you know that are steps in the process is the is the wise way to do it so there's nothing wrong with that that's that's very smart yeah it's it's one of those things that i just i i have some friends that like they change kind of they're like oh i really want to direct this show or like i want to um get into this chore choreographing thing or you know where mm-hmm. it's like for me it's more just like i i've done this assistant directing i've done the choreographing thing and it's not that i don't like it i I do but i know that my like my heart lies in the performing aspect well there you go well that's a perfect note to go out on this has been uh really interesting i want to thank you for doing it um, you know, you're working very hard. I wish you really good luck. I think you gave a lot of really good insights and things that people can relate to. And that's the whole idea of this podcast. Um, I certainly would love to have you back and, uh, we're going to have group episodes as well, where, you know, various of you that have been on are going to uh, come on together as a group and we'll have a, oh my gosh, that con- sounds so fun. conversation that way. Yeah. So I hope you'll do that with us. I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch with you about that. Um, before we go, do you want to share any social media, website, Facebook, anything like that? And again, we uh, will post all these links and the link to that YouTube video, um, on the show notes, but do you want to tell people about your website or anything like that or no? Uh, well, my website is my my name, so it's literally just www.haleyoster.com, mm-hmm. um, and then honestly, my Instagram handle is the exact same. It's just Haley Oster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's basically, I mean, you can find me. You can follow me. I'll follow you back. <laughs> um, yeah, I also think it's any advice that I can give, like, is great. And so if you have any questions, if you're listening and have any questions about anything I said or have any comments, <laughs> feel free to, you know, DM me. I don't care. All um, right, there you go. And again, yeah. we, will, we will post all these links in the show notes. And uh, for me, if you have any questions about the podcast or anything, uh, you can email me at craftbusinesslifepodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, craftbusinesslifepodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, that's posted with everything as well. So, Haley, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks again to everybody listening. And uh, until next time, bye-bye. Bye.